Matthew 21, 21 and 22 is where we'll start. We'll hit the book of James chapter 1 and then also Acts chapter 2. Thank you. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Notice, if you have faith and do not doubt, he said, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. The book of James, chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not the man, that man, suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Notice verse 6, we're to ask in faith with no doubting. Verses 6 and 7 together, he who doubts will not receive anything from the Lord. Now, Acts 2, these first 13 verses, I'll skip around. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, flames of fire, tongues of fire, flickering flames and one set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues languages as the Spirit gave them utterance or the ability to do so and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven and when the sound occurred the multitude came together and they were confused they heard everyone speaking in their own languages they were amazed and marveled Are these not Galileans? And it goes on and names all these different nationalities. And it says in verse 12, So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Verse 13, Others, mocking, said they are full of new wine. You know what that means, right? They're drunk. Others mocking, 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 said they are full of new wine. Today, I'd like to preach a message entitled, very simple, Believe and Receive, or Doubt and Do Without, or should I say it the other way? Doubt and Do Without, or Believe and Receive. The choice is up to you. I want to say a prayer. And then I want to preach this to you. Father, thank you so much for your presence in this room. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Speak a word to us, God. Challenge us. Change us. We give you praise for this in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. On God's prophetic timetable, this particular day of Pentecost we just read about was so significant. It was a day for which God had meticulously and painstakingly planned. 
Anthony and Phyllis, Brennan, Elizabeth, you know what it's like to plan for a big day. Think of the planning that went into this past Saturday. Maybe you don't want to think about it. Never mind. The save the date cards, the invitations, the wedding party, the officiants, the venue, the flowers, the dress, the suits, and on and on and on, the music. Months and months of meticulous, painstaking, expensive planning. Well, God had been planning for this particular day of Pentecost for over 4,000 years. That's over 1,460,000 days to get this one day perfect to the crossing of every T and the dotting of every I. And in Jerusalem on this day, when this particular day of Pentecost was fully come, God unleashed the all-powerful Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, on this planet. It happened right there in Jerusalem on that day, flooding that house and those hearts that were gathered there in that place on that day. Now to really catch the significance, I hope I can portray this, to really catch the significance of what happened that day, we have to catch what was being said back in John seven thirty nine. Jesus spoke of a well of living water. If you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. And John, who wrote that some 60 years after the actual uh, story of, of the well of living water, some 60 years later adds a comment. He says, This spake he of the Spirit which had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Meaning, once he was glorified, then this living water would be poured out. So John was saying only after the glorification of Jesus could the Holy Spirit be given, like on this day of Pentecost, all those months later. So what did it take for his glorification? Let's reverse engineer it. It took his ascension. What did it take for his ascension? It took his resurrection. What did it take for his resurrection? It took his burial. And then what did it take for his burial? Well, it took the cross. It took his death. So the gift of the Holy Spirit took the payment of the awful price of the death of the Son of the living God. And so, on this particular day of Pentecost... Everything had been taken care of. The price had already been paid. A million and a half days of planning, effort, covenant making, covenant keeping. And in our reading, as these people waited, prayed, worshipped, and praised, revealing their faith, suddenly, just as God had promised, the gift was poured out and God showed up in all of His splendor and all of His glory. That sound as of a rushing mighty wind was the sound of the Holy Spirit bursting through the envelope of the earth's atmosphere, through the veil of the eternal into the realm of the natural. And no wonder mere mortals began to miraculously speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and to prophesy. It was powerful. It was supernatural. It was miraculous. Powerful. And yet, And yet, and yet, in the middle of the miracle, 
amazingly to me, there were those who mocked, M-O-C-K-E-D. The Greek for this means to deride, to jeer, to jest, to scorn, to ridicule, to belittle, to make fun of, all revealing their doubt. In the middle of the miracle, there were those who doubted. Peter went on to tell them this same encounter, this same experience we've had is available to you. And while some of them chose to believe and receive, others chose to doubt and do without. What more, my question is, could God have done? I mean, he had given his only begotten to the point of death. And, and, and not only that, the apostle had told them, it's for you. This experience is for you. Yet at the end of the day, out of millions who were in the city that day, it was a high and holy day. There were millions in Jerusalem that day. Only 3,000 received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Meaning, if there were 3 million people in Jerusalem on that day, and that's a good estimate, that means 3 million could have received their own personal Pentecost. But at the end of that day, only a tiny percentage received their miracle. Only one one-thousandth of the crowd. Can I tell you, it is possible, and this blows my mind, but it is possible for you to sit in the middle of a miracle where the power of God is flowing and doubt and do without and walk away unchanged and unfazed no matter how much has God has done to set up the moment for you, meticulously, painstakingly planning it for you. If you choose to doubt, to mock, to make fun of, you will walk out the same way that you walked in. But I've come to encourage somebody today. Don't be like the millions in Jerusalem all those years ago. Be that one in a thousand who says, I choose to believe and receive. Come on, give him some praise. Can you do it? I choose. I choose. I don't care how jaded you may have been. I, I don't care how much you've doubted in the past. And I don't care how many others have doubted and chosen to doubt around you. Make up your mind. This is my day. This is my moment. I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to doubt and do without. I'm going to believe and receive. This is the day the Lord has made. I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Your faith is precious, folks. Your faith is precious when that spark of faith comes alive and you feel it and you're tempted to believe. Act on it. Believe. Grab a hold of that. Don't re refuse to let go of it. Hold on to that faith. The devil's after your faith. Choose to believe. There was a famine in Samaria that was the result of a, a vicious siege. The story's found in 2 Kings 7. The people were starving to death. Very desperate time, terrible situation. Listen to this, verse 1. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, 
if the Lord would make the windows in heaven, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. This man was hungry. This man had suffered from this siege, but the man doubted the word of the Lord, and he only saw the miracle, but he never got a taste of it for himself. Doubters can see others receiving their miracle, but they never seem to receive their own. This man died having never received what all those around him were receiving. This man, I'm going to tell somebody today, his doubt didn't stop their faith. His doing without didn't stop them from receiving their miracle. They had made up their mind. If this man doubts, that's his own business. But I'm going to trust God and believe the word of the Lord and get everything that God's got coming to me. The believers will run right over the doubters to get to their miracle. And the doubters can't stop them. you got to make up your mind. And I'm, am I going to make fun of? Am I going to doubt it? Or am I going to believe it and trust it and get everything that Jesus has for me? I love what Joshua said. Anthony preached about it Wednesday night. As for me at my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And he admonished those people, choose you this day. you got a choice to make. Are you going to believe or are you going to doubt? If you believe, you can receive. It's just it's simple. I know it's deep. You can, you can believe, you can receive. If you doubt, you'll do without. Now, there's another story found in Luke chapter 5. Don't mind the jungle rain. Nathan has already put my top up. You don't have to worry anymore. My convertible top is up. Thank you, Nathan. In Luke chapter 5, there's another amazing story. It happened on a certain day. Look at verse 17. As he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Now, normally in the gospel writings, we look at these these types of people. I hate to stereotype, but we see Pharisees, teachers of the law. They're usually the bad guys. We look at them as the religious people. They ended up killing Jesus. They're the bad guys. They're, They're just scoundrels. But notice this next phrase. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. It's not like he was discriminating and saying, well, they're scoundrels. I'm not going to give them any of the stuff I got. These guys were gathered around. They had an opportunity. Anytime you get in the presence of Jesus, you have an opportunity. You, you got needs? Hey, he's got an anointing for that. You, you got weaknesses? He's got strength for that. You got sickness? He's got healing for that. And here they were in the presence of Jesus, scoundrels. We got scoundrels in the room. Look around you right now. That person next to you just might be a scoundrel. We have people that have had issues this week. But I'm going to tell you something. The presence of the Lord is here. And whether we've been a scoundrel or not, we have an opportunity to trust him. Because I'm going to tell you, he's no respecter of persons. If he heals one, he'll heal them all. And notice this. These scoundrels, these these teachers of the law, these Pharisees, they were, they, were, they were there in this house. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. 
Then, behold, men brought on a bed a man who was not even invited, a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd. So there's a traffic jam. This is in Capernaum, probably Simon Peter's house. There's a traffic jam, and, and nobody's yielding and letting this, this man through and his friends carrying him. So they go on the housetop. They were very desperate. This reveals faith, as we'll see in a moment. And they let down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. So, so they cut a hole in Simon Peter's house. And, and look at verse 20. When he saw their faith. So you can believe and receive or doubt and do without. When he saw their faith, now it says their faith. The four men had faith, and faith without works is dead. They believed if they could get him to Jesus, it would make the difference. So they picked him up. They carried him. They got a different plan. They went to the roof. They cut a hole in the roof. They let him down. They had faith. Now, the, the man in the stretcher had faith, too, because he let them carry him, and he let them take him to the roof. And he let them let him down through the roof into the midst of Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven. Scribes and Pharisees began to reason. Reason works against faith. They began to reason, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They had misunderstandings. They didn't have full-orbed understanding. They needed to let those questions go and grab a hold of the anointing that was on Jesus that was in the room that day for them, but they wouldn't do it. They just kept on, in a sense, mocking what was going on, just like in Acts 2. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Deep stuff there. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house immediately. He rose before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. But there's no record that any of them received their own miracle. This man was let down through the roof. He was the only one who received anything from the Lord that day. He had faith. His friends had faith. But no one else seemed to believe and receive that day. The anointing was on Jesus for those who were in the room. But they refused and they missed their moment. They could have gone home with needs met. Sicknesses healed, fevers, conditions, issues taken care of, but they chose to doubt and do without. This man wasn't nearly as theological as these other cats in the room. He wasn't a religious expert, but I'm going to tell you what he was that separated him. He was hungry, and he just chose to believe. He believed Jesus could do anything, anytime, anywhere, for anybody, and he just acted on his faith. He didn't try to put a timetable on it and make it all make sense. He just said, you're here, I believe. Help me, Lord, I need some help. I'm telling you, God is wanting to encourage somebody in the room today. Believe and receive. Let go of your doubts. Let go of your questions. Grab a hold of the hem of his garment and watch what he does in your life. Now, I'm not talking about anything I'm not familiar with. I am a skeptic at heart. 
I am a cynic and I struggle with doubt. I'm the guy when somebody gets healed, I'm like, were they really healed? I'm the guy when somebody gets the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, I'm like, did they really speak in tongues? I'm that guy. I try not to be. It's just, that's the way I think. That's my go-to. That's my default. And so when I'm living for God and loving God, I've got that own struggle. I push on through it. I mean, I'm a Pentecostal preacher for crying out loud. You know what I mean? I push on through it. But, But when I wasn't living for God, wow, that was amplified even more. And I'll never forget some of my darkest seasons of life when I was running from God and carrying on and playing a fool and, and, and not believing and doubting and, and, and hating God and hating church and just whatever, just, just being a fool. My wife starts coming back to the Lord. God starts moving in her life. And she starts going to church. And when she started going to church, it made me mad because we swore we'd never go to church and, you know, we'd never do all that stuff and jump through those hoops and be the little monkey on the, on the leash and whatever, you know, like we're not doing that. We don't have that crutch. We're bigger and better than that. We're strong. We're smart, uh, for crying out loud. We're, we're activists, you know. I'm a musician. I'm a rock star. And, you know, we just had all these things, you know. And uh, Valerie was hungry, though, and she started going back to church. It made me so mad. And we would go to church, and Valerie would go to the front at this particular church in Nashville, Tennessee. And she would pray. Oh, man, and the power of God would move on her. And I only went. We were newly married. I was just trying not to get divorced. I mean, I loved her. You know what I mean? Like, I really did. And I'm just, I'm just going. And I would get so angry. And I would, I would go up and just stand next to her. Some of you heard me tell this, but I just stand next to her because I didn't want to go up there by herself and let, you know, these snake handlers and soothsayers and religious wackos get a hold of her, you know, and so, so they weren't snake handlers, just saying, and uh, just just go up there and, uh, and and get a hold of her, so I'd kind of go up to protect her, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a husband, Brennan, so I'd protect her, and so I'd stand there, and man, the more she prayed, and God touched her and moved on, the angrier I got, she'd speak in tongues, man, she'd cry, she's just like all into it, and I was like, oh, I was so angry and so mad, doubted everything that was happening in her life. She's over here. Here we are, a couple in in the presence of the living God, just like those in Acts chapter 2, the presence of the living God. And here I am, angry, mad, closed off, not receiving anything. And here she is, and God's just flowing and healing up broken places and forgiving and restoring and touching and giving her a hope and a future. And I'm over here angry and mad and holding on to my jadedness and my attitude and my angst and, and my and I'm just, I refuse. She's over here receiving. I'm here over, I'm over here not receiving, doubting and doing without. But I'll never forget when we finally got on the same page, when finally this old, Hard heart softened, and God didn't soften it. I mean, He influenced me, but you got to choose to soften that heart. You got to, it's not God's fault that you doubt, it's your fault. You got to get a hold of yourself and say, I don't care what's happened in the past, and I don't care what anybody thinks. Part of my thing was I was concerned about what my peers and my friends thought about me you got to get to a point to where you say, I don't care if I lose every friend I have. 
I don't care if I lose everything I have, every opportunity I have. I'm pushing it all in. I'm laying it all on the line because I want what God's given. And I humbled myself, softened my heart in the presence of God just whoosh just flooded my heart and made the difference that put me on a totally different trajectory. I'm preaching to somebody today. You've been a doubter, but God is trying to get you to turn your heart and become a believer because he's got a hope and a future and a calling and a ministry and a gifting and things for you to do and times are wasted. Why don't you choose today whom you will serve? Stand with me right now and give him some praise. Can you do it? Hallelujah. 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 So you can doubt and do without or believe and receive. That is my challenge for you. That is my challenge for you. I'm telling you, when you are ready, he is ready. When you believe, you will receive. You gotta let go of the old. You gotta let go of the past. You gotta let go of the doubt. You gotta turn that new leaf. Make that fresh start. Say, This is my moment. Say it with me right now. This is my moment. Say, This is my season. Say, I choose to believe. Listen, you gotta you gotta make up your mind. I ain't missing my moment. I ain't missing this time. I'm not missing this season. I may have missed some in the past, but devil, you hear me now. You're a liar. I ain't missing this moment. Listen, some of you have missed some moments in the past. Hear the word of the Lord. Let that be the past. God has a present for you right now. You got to make up your mind from this day forward. I ain't missing my moment. I miss those, devil. Those missed opportunities have nothing to do with this opportunity today. Nothing. That's our flesh. That's the condemnation that comes from the enemy. You blew it in the past. You, You have no chance now. Are you kidding me? This is the God that said my mercy goes to a thousand generations. I missed a lot of, you hear me, this preacher, I missed a lot of moments. But I made up my mind, I ain't missing it again. Not missing another one. This is, my, this is my day. This is the era. God has set the stage for this moment. This one. All that, he knows how to reconfigure all that junk to get you right here. Boom. You know, Israel made tons of mistakes before the day of Pentecost was fully come. I mean, like that's an understatement. The kingdom divided. Babylonian captivity, Assyrian captivity, absolute disastrous kings, reigns, failures, serving sex gods and all kind of just disastrous situations. And yet when the day of Pentecost was fully come, here's your moment. He says, this is, this promise is for you, your children, those who are far off. Yeah, but our ancestors made so many mistakes. Doesn't matter. It's, it's for you, your children for those who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord. There's a whosoever in this room today. It's not just the religious. It's not the perfect. It's not just the good. It's it's not those who have it all together. It's not those who have never made mistakes before. And we say we've all made mistakes. It's not just for those who've made mistakes that didn't hit the headlines. 
Because we've all made probably equal mistakes. They just didn't all hit the headlights. I'm telling you. It's for, if, you, if your mistakes made the headlines, this is the day. It's for you, your children, those who are far off, even as for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is your day. This is your moment. Can you close your eyes with me right now? Are you ready for change? You're standing in the middle of your miracle. It's up to you. It's your choice. Will you doubt and do without yet again? Or will you choose to believe and receive?